The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We are going to revisit history with the Christian Yelich contract. We are also going to talk about the Fast and the Furious. No, I'm kidding. Um, this is crazy. Listen to that. Just Fast and the Furious. Just a lot of small dicks riding around Milwaukee right now. Uh, but also we're going to talk about the Packer offensive skill slander that's been going on uh, in the national media. We'll talk if that's fair. If it's not, um, we'll also discuss Juan Soto potentially going to the Cardinals and how much guttural pain that would bring me. So a little bit of a baseball sandwich. And then who knows? Maybe we got some stuff at the end for you. Maybe I'll talk about those guys just acting like they're Vin Diesel or fucking Tyrese. But who knows? Uh, we might have something at the end. We might not. Uh, you know where to find us on social media. Tapping the keg on Twitter. Tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Also, uh, make sure that you are rating and reviewing. Uh, if you're somehow not subscribed, go ahead and do that. Uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, make sure you're sharing with your friends. Get people more informed about what we're doing here. I personally think that this is better than any sports radio that you will listen to in Milwaukee or the state of Wisconsin, and I would put my name against that. Let's talk about revisiting history with Christian Yelich's contract. This is a segment that I want to do more of. I have a couple different ideas around this. I've kind of met, I kind of mentioned this idea a year ago, not a year ago, like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and it's something I want to do on a couple different angles, and I think there are some fun ones to explore, and I, I have to do a little more research on it where I can fully flesh it out, but this, let's just call it a test balloon with Christian Yelich and the history of the contract. When Christian Yelich got traded to the Brewers, he had a very favorable contract, arguably one of the most favorable contracts in all of baseball. And because Christian Yelich had a favorable contract, Christian Yelich was, they were able to sign Lorenzo Cain. And they had Lorenzo Cain and Christian Yelich. And it was here come the Brewers. And the Brewers in 2018 got all the way to the seventh game of the NLCS before losing to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Christian Yelich has an MVP campaign. It is Yelich and Bellinger. It looks like these two guys are going to be the next faces of baseball. And it, it's, it, it was all almost too good to be true. Christian Yelich follows it up the next season with an even better year, honestly. Like, you look at the numbers that Christian Yelich put up in 2019, they are absurd. And another great revisit history is what if Yelich doesn't get hurt to end the 2019 season? The Brewers probably aren't a wild card team. In fact, they probably win that division. And if they win the division, how does that change? Everything. The Brewers and Nationals play a seven-game series, and the Brewers find their way in. Also, if Yelich doesn't get hurt, does Trent Grisham even see the light of day at the end of the wildcard game? Probably not, right? So there's so much that's there. But Yelich missed significant time with that knee injury in 2019. That did not phase the Brewers. The Brewers at that point said, we are going to give Christian Yelich this massive deal. We are going to make him the face of the franchise. Let's remember that the, the Milwaukee Brewers suffered from the Ryan Braun era. Even though there are a lot of people like yours truly who thought Ryan Braun was the face of the franchise through thick and thin, there were a lot of people that did not like Braun. Even though I think there's there was less and less of it as we got farther and farther away from it. But Braun was a pariah for a couple of years in Milwaukee. No one really wanted Ryan Braun here. 
and the fact that Ryan Braun had a lot of injuries and he struggled down the stretch and the contract didn't necessarily feel like it was worth the squeeze. Braun left a sour taste, I think, in a lot of people's mouth. And let's face it, Brewer fans are a weird breed. They are not necessarily cheap, but they also don't want to spend too much money. They are, I guess frugal might be the right way, but I always think like frugal is cheap. But I, Brewer fans want to do, they want to be great, but they also don't want to pay to be great. They want to somehow figure out a way to be like the Tampa Bay Rays. But I feel like the Tampa Bay Rays are a one of one combination. I don't think anyone else can be the Tampa Bay Rays. and But that's kind of what Brewer fans want. And they're like, well, we can't spend too much money. It's, we've burned in the past, things like that. Let Paul Molitor walk. Remember that. Like they, there have been a lot of things in the Brewer fandom that have always made it seem like it's, hey, we'll spend a little bit, but we won't spend a lot. And the uncertainty of Mark Ananasio and his ability to spend is also questionable. And I think a lot of people have asked that in the last few years. But Ananasio, to his credit, gave Christian Yelich this massive deal in 2020, right before the world ends. Literally a week before COVID shuts us all down, Christian Yelich gets a massive contract. And nobody disagreed with it at the time. Absolutely nobody. Nobody was like, this is a mistake. What are they doing? They were hitching their wagon to what they thought was the triangle of greatness between Giannis Antetokounmpo, Aaron Rodgers, and Christian Yelich. What they came to find out is it had nothing, nothing like that for the Milwaukee Brewers. Yelich goes on to have a putrid 2020. You could argue that if Yelich got a full year, maybe he figures it all out. Yelich follows that up with missing 47 games the next season uh, with a variety of injuries, a back injury, a knee injury, an oblique injury. It was all over the place for Christian Yelich and it wasn't that great. And it was it led to significant time and Yelich is nearly at his games played in 2020 than the amount that he played in 2021. And Christian Yelich has improved this year in terms of being a more productive baseball player. His war is near the top of the Milwaukee Brewers, but he lacks the power, he lacks the extra base hits that I think we've all known Christian Yelich to be. Right now, he is a singles hitter with an occasional double or triple in him or a home run every now and again. Remember, Yelich hit his first home run in the month of July last week. Okay, so like Yelich is not necessarily just hitting nukes all of a sudden. So what changed? Well, the balls changed, right? The balls became deflated. They do not have juice balls anymore. When Christian Yelich went off, it was during the juiced ball era, I think as it will be called. Now, how do the Brewers not have some foresight to be like, hey, maybe we should wait? I don't know if they knew. I really don't, like I have no idea, right? Like we will never know that story. We will never understand that. And we'll never understand if Yelich also was borrowing video signs and stealing signs. That's an accusation that was made by you Darvish. If that's the case, then yeah, that obviously changes a lot. But 
it doesn't to me even if Yelich was stealing signs all right even if that conspiracy is true that Cubs fans love to do they they build that conspiracy blanket makes them feel all good and warm and fuzzy inside but if even if we're doing that okay even if that's the case Christian Yelich was still really good with the Miami Marlins so you're meaning to tell me that he's been doing this in his entire career and then he finally got caught like how does that transfer? Like, how does that work? That to me is where that conspiracy falls short. Like if Christian Yelich was back to being the guy that he was with Miami, where he had like 20 home runs, he had a bunch of doubles, few triples here and there, hitting for like a 320 average, then maybe I'm a little more like, yeah, it seemed like that was enhanced, but it's all went to shit for Yelich since that COVID year. And now you could say, well, Charlie, what if, the Brewers would have just held on to that contract. What if they would have done him like the Red Sox are doing Raphael Devers or Xander Bogarts? First of all, the Brewers and, and Red Sox are in different tax brackets. The Red Sox could pay for their next star if they want. They did it with Trevor Story, right? They could do it again with any other guy. And it probably means Bogarts is out given the fact they have Trevor Story. And Trevor Story is a gold glove shortstop player. And Trevor Story will likely replace Xander Bogarts. And they think Trevor Story has more value than Bogarts. The Brewers don't really have that luxury. But if the Brewers were to wait, yes, it would have been an all-time savvy business move. But Ananasio would have been killed for not doing it, at least running up to COVID. When there was not a ton to talk about, it's like, why isn't a deal done for Christian Yelch? That would have been a topic of conversation and everybody knows it. Yet now we're saying that Ananasio is too cheap to make make deals, too cheap to sign players. So it's like, what do you want? Like Ananasio did exactly what you wanted in 2020. And then Christian Yelich fell apart. So who does that fall on? Did Christian Yelich and his agency convince the Brewers that this was a long-term thing? And that he was, you know, that he loved Milwaukee and they took the bait. Kind of like somebody who is in a strip club and strippers are all over them telling them what they want to hear and they keep paying money. Is that kind of what happened here? Where Christian Yelich basically fluffed up the Brewers, talks about how great the Brewer was, and he realized that those years were anomalies. Now, I'm not trying to paint Christian Yelich as a bad guy, which is a plot twist when I started this podcast and said, hey, I'm carrying the water for him. But I do wonder a little bit if Yelich pulled an okie doke. If Yelich realized that I am never gonna get as good as I was those two years. Those two years were out of my mind because of X, Y, and Z. If Yelich knew that and took the money, while I think it sucks as a fan, I get it. Cash rules everything around around everybody, right? Like cash rules, cash is king. If Yelich knew that he will not get a deal better than what he saw there, I do not blame him in the slightest. I put a little bit of onus on the Brewers that they didn't think through it a little bit more and say, hey, maybe we should wait and see what happens after a kneecap injury. But also remember, they did not know COVID was going to happen. COVID was a thing that was in China at the time of March 6th. They didn't think COVID would shut down the country and shut down baseball. 
and then change a lot of what Christian Yelich was accustomed to. Can we ever can we see an MVP year again from Christian Yelich? I hope so, man. I like look. I don't need a ton of them, but I at least need one one or two more to justify that deal. Because right now it is on the books as the worst deal in Brewers history, and the worst deal maybe in Wisconsin sports. But there's a long way to go. We are this story is not written yet, right? We still have a lot of ball game left to play. Shout out to Aaron Nagler. Because this, I mean, seriously, like there, there's a lot left. There's a lot left on this table. And the Brewers have money to quote unquote spend. Yelich is only 30 years old. Yeah, he might lose some of his speed. But for reference, the Brewers gave Lorenzo Cain four years, $80 million at 31 years old. And that deal worked out for a couple years. But again... COVID got in the way. So this deal doesn't start looking really bad until 2026 when Yelich is 34 and the speed is probably gone. And then they have a club option at the 37 year mark. But Yelich is here for the rest of the decade. And I think what I would ask is, I think looking back at this, it's like, how wouldn't you pay Christian Yelich? How, like... There is no way that you would have just held on to it. It would have worked out, right? It would have made sense. Or the year after COVID, you could have got Yelich on a bargain and only done a four-year, five-year deal. But still, there is so much of that that none of us could have seen coming. And that's just something I want to leave people with because... I don't think it's as easy as, well, this is our $26 million player. He now sucks and the Brewers wasted a ton of money. The story still has time to be written. We're not patient as sports fans anymore. I don't know if we've ever been patient as sports fans, but certainly not fucking today. We want everything. We want titles. We want cool like memes. We want fucking... You know, to be on top of the world. We want to be on ESPN. We want to be on first take, part of my take. We want all of that. And yet at the end of the day, it sometimes takes time. And I don't know, maybe Christian Yelich has to consider different lifestyle changes and has to think about what he's doing. Is having his brother around, running around real estate and partying and doing all that shit, is that really good for Christian Yelich? I realize that is a boomer take. But at this point, you got to consider it. Yelich knows that that player still exists in him. And if it's mental, he needs to keep working at it, keep figuring it out. And if it's physical, he needs to find different things. And who knows? Maybe Yelich goes on an incredible second half run and is the reason why the Brewers are suddenly the second seed in the National League. That's my dream as somebody who's defended Christian Yelich and stayed on his island. But if that doesn't happen and it all stays the same, I'll continue to build my house. And I hope someday more of you will be back on the island. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, Bill Barnwell had an interesting column. Bill Barnwell writes for ESPN, if you are unfamiliar. He turns off his Twitter replies, which I thought was interesting. I don't know why people would do that if you're an NFL writer, but to each their own, I guess. That's, to me, someone who's maybe a little too obsessed with Twitter, a little too worried 
about what the haters say. So Bill Barnwell ranked the Packers at the 29th in terms of skill positions. Now, Aaron Rodgers not included. He's talking about performance in 2022. Injury history matters. Wide receivers are weighted very heavily, or heavily weighted more than running backs and tight ends. Now, I push back on that for Barnwell because wide receivers are predicated on what their quarterbacks do. I think that there are some wide receivers that it doesn't matter the quarterback, they can still be great. But a lot of great wide receivers have great quarterbacks to go along with them. It's rare that we have a wide receiver and we don't say, oh yeah, that guy has Taylor Heineke at quarterback, right? Like that that just exists for guys like Terry McLaren. It exists for Allen Robinson for years, even though some of that's self-inflicted. We don't need to go over that. Like there are a few guys where the quarterback doesn't matter, but the quarterback does matter for a lot of receivers. So Barnwell putting the Packers at 29th, only teams that were lower were the Giants, the Bears, and the Texans. None of those teams will be playoff teams. The Packers should be a playoff team. There's no reason to believe. Yet Barnwell is acting like this will be an 8-8 or 9-8 team and calls them the worst group of, might be the league's worst group of receivers. Bill Barnwell, look, has a job at ESPN. Bill Barnwell is a smart guy. I used to listen to him and Robert Mays all the time. But I don't really understand what Bill Barnwell is getting at here. I, I don't. Like, I, I personally think this is idiotic. To have the Packers ranked lower than the Jacksonville Jaguars, lower than the Atlanta Falcons, lower than the New England Patriots, Baltimore Ravens even, makes no fucking sense to me. New York Jets, I could see. The Jets have a very talented, young receiving core. They have a really good running back, potentially, in Brees Hall. Like They have a lot working for them. They signed CJ Uzama. Tyler Conklin's not bad. Like they got they got some fucking tools there, right? To be good. Like to me, I everybody's like focused on the Lions as sort of the surprise team. I think it might be the Jets. Yeah, I said it. I, I do. But you look at these teams, and, and if you're going to Barnwell's thesis that receivers matter more, Christian Kirk is gonna be a number one ride receiver. Christian Kirk, he's the number one ride receiver. Zay Jones is a number two wide receiver. Are you telling me that you would rather have Christian Kirk and Zay Jones over Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb or Sammy Watt? Pick your boys, right? Doesn't matter. I don't care. Really? That really? Okay. Cedric Wilson also added to that mix. So because they have guys, notable names, suddenly that makes them better. What, like, what are we doing? And oh yeah, they, they don't really have a running back. You know, James Robinson's there. I think he's he might be hurt. Um, I don't know. But still, they have Travis Etienne and LaVisca Chenault. Like, I don't know. They have a lot of talent, but we haven't seen it on the field. We've seen it from these Packer skill position guys. They go to the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, Kyle Pitts is amazing. Okay, I'm not going to argue that. I would love Kyle Pitts on the Packers. Kyle Pitts is probably better than any of the skill position players the Packers have. Yeah, maybe not Aaron Jones, but whatever. Then you look at their, but you look at their wide receivers, which Barnwell says I weigh more than not wide receivers. Drake London, number eight pick. Who knows what Drake London's gonna fucking be? 
and he provides caution that he might fall into that Kevin White, John Ross, Tavon Austin, Mike Williams type of guy. So there's some concerns about Drake London. Oh yeah, by the way, they don't have fucking Calvin Ridley. He's gone for gambling. And you have Brian Edwards and Omale Zacharias who are competing for regular reps at wide receiver. Those are the guys that apparently are better than Alan Lazard, Christian Watson. Like what? Like how? How the fuck is that reality? Then you go to the Patriots and the Patriots have Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers. Like, how is that any different than what the Packers have? And I'd argue that their running attack is a lot better. Damian Harris is a tank. He's a good player. But he's not to the level of what you have with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And then lastly, with the Baltimore Ravens, they have no idea who's going to run their football, by the way. They have Mark Andrews, again, similar to Kyle Pitts. Of course I would take Mark Andrews. They don't know who's running the ball. Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins both had ACL tears last year. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, they've already said, is not going to be ready for the season. And then you go to their wide receivers, and you have Rashad Bateman. Didn't really have that great of a rookie year, even though a guy I think a lot of Pack fans, including myself, wanted. Marquise Brown gets traded, Hollywood Brown. And you have Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, and Tylen Wallace as your three wide receivers. Like, what? And they desperately, and then he also says they desperately need to add a receiver such as Will Fuller or Julio Jones before the season begins. Those guys aren't on the team. How the fuck are the Packers at 29? Devontae Adams is a great player, okay? But it's about time that people stop sucking his dick. Because Devontae Adams, while good, a lot of that is the system. A lot of that is Aaron Rodgers. Did anyone do any research here that the Packers are 7-0 without Devontae Adams and beat good fucking teams without Devontae Adams? Does anyone do any research? Because what I see here is low-hanging fruit. And I see a journalist trying to make a point with the Packers and to say, well, the Packers are going to be fucked at the skill position spots. The disrespect for Green Bay's offense is all time. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be really fun to start this season. And I'm not going to be hunting for skins early on. But trust me when I say this, that if the Packers have a top 10 offense, I'll be screenshotting this to Bill Barnwell and I'll probably get blocked in the process. But you know what? It'll be fucking worth it. All right. Let's move on back to baseball to Juan Soto. And Juan Soto trade names came out. Uh, Bob Nightingale, Mr. the misinformation king, had that the Padres, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Cardinals, the New York Mets, the Sandy, or, uh, Seattle Mariners, the New York Yankees have all reached out about Juan Soto. It's a pretty good list. It's not a surprising list. I think some people will be surprised at the Mariners, but with they have a war chest of talent, they also can add Julio Rodriguez and Juan Soto to the same lineup 
and have basically what they had in 96. This would basically be another iteration of Ken Griffey Jr. and Alex Rodriguez. And the Mariners of old would suddenly have life again. Which is super cool as a 90s kid, right? Like, that's awesome. Like, I kind of hope that happens. What I hope to not happen is the Cardinals trading for Juan Soto. Because the Cardinals trade for Juan Soto, my day is ruined, my week is ruined, my month is ruined, my baseball season is ruined. Because the Cardinals adding Juan Soto makes them a World Series team. Point blank. A two through four of Paul Goldschmidt, Juan Soto, Nolan Arenado. Who's fucking stopping that? That is as murderer's row as it's going to get. And on the same point, you could sign Juan Soto for a long-term deal. And even if you don't sign him to a long-term deal and let Juan Soto go to free agency, you have two years with him. You ride it out with Goldschmidt. You still have a very affordable Nolan Arenado contract. And you have all the prospects to do it. I am terrified that the St. Louis Cardinals are going to get Juan Soto. It's all there for them. They have guys on guys. They have Jordan Walker, who's a top 10 prospect. They have Mason Wind, who's throwing 100 from the shortstop position. They have Juan Yepes, who is not even a top tier guy, but he's available. Nolan Gorman, Matt Libitor. Like they have a ton of prospects. And it scares me to death that Juan Soto is a Cardinal. And that, it's just, it changes everything. It really does. Like, I I hate to be dramatic, but it changes everything. And the Brewers should be acting like the Cardinals are going to trade for Juan Soto. And what that means is going big with pitching. Mitch mentioned it yesterday on today's podcast, but... Go after a guy like Luis Castillo. Look at a guy like Frankie Montes, who was great tonight. Like, look for those type of guys. Don't just go for Michael Pineda, who got rocked by the Guardians on Saturday afternoon. Like, don't look for those guys. Don't look for Tyler Molly, who I think's hurt now. But, like, don't look for those dudes. Look for the bigger names, the bigger fish. Because if Juan Soto is a Cardinal, you're going to need more and more pitching. Now, could the Cardinals be setting up smoke screens to drive up the value so they could sneak in on a guy like Montes or Castillo for that matter? 100%. The Cardinals need pitching. Um, they do not have a World Series pitching roster. I don't think Castillo or Molly makes them a World Series contender by any means, but I do think it significantly helps them because then you, they have two reliable starters in Michaelis and then Castillo or Montes. So I do wonder, is part of this a ploy to drive up or drive down the value of some of the other guys? To say, all right, like everybody's focused on Soto. We're going to sneak in the back door and trade for Luis Castillo tomorrow. That would be very Cardinals, honestly. 100% would be very Cardinals. I think he, he might pitch tomorrow against the Cardinals for that matter. But yes, I am very nervous and I think the Brewers need to act like the Cardinals are going to make a Soto-like move. And they need to be aggressive. They need to find key pieces. Because if the Brewers come up empty or they're sellers, just wave the white flag. This isn't a season for the Brewers. And I'll be very disappointed. Brewers usually make one move that's sort of big-ish. Last year it was Eduardo Escobar. 
didn't really work out for them. They need to find that move again, and they need to maybe find two moves, three moves. Who knows, right? Rebuild this roster because at this point, you're 50 and 43, and I don't know how much of it is working right now. And so it'll be very curious to see if David Stearns gets on the phone and starts making moves because this is about David Stearns' time. This is about the time where we see something from David Stearns. Now, if David Stearns is distracted and he's ready to take the Mets job, he should be fucking fired tomorrow. Let Matt Arnold run the team. If Stearns is really committed to the Mets, I don't know if I want him around. And that might be spicy. It might be a late night take. But at the same point, like, if he's not going to try, like, let's look elsewhere, right? But that's that's my hot take for you. I don't know. Uh, it'll be an interesting series. We'll see what the Brewers do against Colorado. Um, it's a series they should win series. They should start off on the right foot. So let's hope they can build some consistency. Brewers have not won two straight games since late June. So that'd be nice. The Brewers could figure out a way to win two, maybe win three. And if you win three, that is what's called a winning streak. So we'll see what happens there. All right. That does it for today's show. A little shorter show today. Sorry about that. I hope you guys are rating, reviewing after you get done with the show. Hopefully you're already subscribed. If you aren't, do that. Apple, Spotify. Make sure you're sharing out with your friends. Uh, tell them about all the stuff we have going here. Really proud of what we've done. Um, it's been a lot of fun. Even if the Instagram views are low, we still grind. We still figure it out. I hate Instagram right now. Um, probably my least favorite app in a long, long time. Just totally screwed everything up. That I was, I kind of rolling, felt good about, and it's gone. So don't want to leave you on a downer though, because that would be fun. Make sure you're checking out the air show this weekend if you're in Milwaukee. Uh, that'll be loud. A lot of people don't like it. Uh, my Eastside Facebook group was unhappy today. They were like, "I can't believe all these Jets. It's a waste of money. Enjoy your half-baked patriotism. All this other bullshit." I fucking love the Jets. All right. Like having the Jets just zoom by your house is awesome, right? Like it is just so cool. Like I think if you don't like the Jets, you have a major dump in your pants because it's it's part of Milwaukee tradition. We've done it forever. We haven't done it for three years and I'm sorry it's back. It's literally on the calendar every year. For people who are like, I can't believe that this is going on and everything like that. It's like, look at a fucking calendar. Like take a vacation. Take a staycation. Go stay with your parents. Like, my daddy could hear it in Tosa, but it was just like little booms, right? It wasn't the loudness that we hear, heard here in Milwaukee. And I just, I do think people like to complain. I think that's part of it. But I also do think that, like, it's cool and we should celebrate it. And I think also it's going to be very popular this weekend, given how well Top Gun did. I think people will be like, oh, would to watch something similar to Top Gun, but in person. I actually think the it's the airport showing the movie t- next week. Can't remember when they're doing that, or maybe it's tonight, or was tonight. I don't know, but yeah, that's all cool stuff and definitely worth checking out. Uh, Eighteen forty five year anniversary party, uh, probably be there. So if you are around, uh, let's let's chat, let's talk sports. Um, don't be shy either. If you're like. I knew he was here, and you at least follow me on some social. Just hit me up. Be like, hey, are you here? Can we talk sports? Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be down for that. 
And I think that's it. No shake hand performances, a shout out. Um, so, but him and I might have something, something cooking. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I'll leave you with that. Back on Monday, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the Brewer most series. They're not done. They have a four-game series. I mentioned that on yes on the Tapping the Keg yesterday that it's a four-game series. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about Brewers. Get ready for Packer training camp. I think that'll kind of be where we're starting to fo- focus on. And who knows? Maybe we'll dive into the Badgers a little bit at some point. I feel like we've not talked a lot about Badger football. Um, and I think it's probably probably time. Big Ten Media Days, I think, are next week, too. So that should give us some contact content with for the Badgers. So that's at least good there, too. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a fucking great weekend. I don't know why I said that. I was like, I'm not even just saying have a great weekend. I think I'm just done. But have a, have a good weekend, man. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on Monday. See ya. Bye.